Hello, and welcome to another episode of Accessible Airwaves. This program is dedicated to the education and exploration of disabled life. Giving voice to the life and experience of people with disabilities. We cover a wide array of issues and disabilities. We are people who discuss issues we are passionate about. And topics we are interested in. We show how disability is in the mind of the beholder. I am your host, Adam Cairns. Today, for this episode, I am interviewing Taylor Breyer over the phone. She's the founder of Taylor Heart Designs. She creates adaptive clothing around feeding, uh, feeding tubes. And here is our interview. Taylor Byram is the founder of Taylor Heart Designs. Hello, Taylor. Hello. And welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Taylor, we know that you make clothes for the function for t- feeding tubes. And at what point do you realize you want to discuss, uh, do this business after design school? Um, so, during design school, um, it was my project. So, in my fourth year, we had to do a, a niche market for our final line, and we actually built a collection and showed it. Um, So this was my project there, and it was really well-received. I had amazing feedback from the community and from, um, like, my schooling and the people at my school. And at that time, I was, you know, freshly out of university. I was like, I don't know anything about business. I'm going to go work, and maybe one day I'll do the line. But um, two years after, in 2015, I was actually approached by my university, and they were setting up a space in a health innovation hub in Surrey. And they approached me and said, you know, we want you to be in that space. Is that something you'd be interested in doing and bring that business that you had started in school, bring it to the hub, and we'll help you start. So that was pretty crazy. I couldn't really believe that that was um, their offer and that they wanted me to do, you know, what I had started at that school. So um, I decided I was in a pretty good position. I had some money saved and I was still living at home at the time. So I said, okay, let's do it. And November 20th of 2015, we launched the first few items on the Etsy shop. So it was almost five years. So happy, happy anniversary for five years. Thank you. I've seen your new website. You have done a lot of different fashion products and also designs. What's your favorite thing to sew or create? And how different is it from different fashion designs that you find in a store? Um, probably my favorite thing to sew is the, um, the hoodie and our tops. They're just a really easy, quick one for me to sew, which is nice. It's not time-consuming. But the adaption is really helpful. It's the um, the diagonal adaption across the side with the snaps. And that one looks really good, but it also is really functional for the child who's wearing it. So it's super easy to access the G-Tube site. There's no lifting of the shirt, especially if you're out in public. That can sometimes be a little bit of a 
you know, no, I don't want anyone to see my feeding tube. So this is nice and discreet for, you know, feeding at any time of day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably my favorite. And the difference, as, you know, I sort of just said, is it's functional. You know, clothing that you would find in a regular store doesn't always have that type of access unless it's already there, um, there for just like styling, like a zipper that's diagonal or something. But the mainstream design doesn't really think that way in terms of, oh, but sometimes this could be used for someone who needs a feeding tube. Like, that's just not what mainstream design is. And that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to create clothing that looked mainstream, but had this super functional element to it so that everybody could wear it and be comfortable. Mm-hmm. I see that. Yeah. So kind of make it comfortable for everybody. Well, yeah. What, what's the age from actually? So the age right now is, is smaller for sure. I've, I really focus on kids. So I can do anywhere from newborn up until about six years old. And then I do custom for some people from about the six until 12 years old. Um, I haven't gone higher than that at this time, but we can do certain things custom for sure. Okay, gotcha. Can you tell me about the adaptive clothing and what is your best seller on your website? Uh, my best seller is by far the tubi covers. So those are the little circles with the snap that um, are padded and they go around the G-tube site so that it collects, um, you know, leakage and prevents granulation tissue. Those are currently like my bestseller. I can't keep up with those orders if I even tried. Like it's, it, it makes my mind go that that is the bestseller compared to the clothes. Um, clothing wise, the bestsellers are probably just those, basic t-shirts with that side adaption and then um, rompers because a lot of rompers kids can't wear because they don't have that um, access points on them. So that's my next best one. Okay. I can see. Um, How could the listeners look up your website? Um, Easiest way is to go to my landing page, which is um, taylorheartdesigns.com. And that landing page will give you links to get to the Etsy shop. And that's where I sell everything. Okay. So I know it's been five years. How does it been your business growing in the last year or so? It's gotten um, steadier. So um, the first couple of years, of course, it was a bit more sporadic. We were growing and trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to do this business? Is it having everything pre-made and people buy the pre-made items or is it custom? And since we made the switch to completely custom, one of a kind, made to order, you get to even like sometimes have a say in your design because I haven't made it yet. Um, That's proved to be the best path and it's been good this year, even you know, with all that's happening in the world, we've been steady since June, and I'm really, really thankful for that. Because mm-hmm. I heard that you also told me through your email that you moved to, to another studio. Is that right? Yeah, I I work my business out of my home, so it's completely home based. But I moved um, to a different home, and with that came a new little studio space that is 
so much fun to work out of. It's actually a little trailer, so we're being run out of a little little trailer in my yard, and it's it's so much fun. It's just I get to actually go into a space that's dedicated to THD versus working out of my living room. <laughs> okay, so that's a little bit better than you had before. Um... Yeah, helps with the psycho the, the psychological aspect of it. Of you know, I get to go to work and then go home. <laughs> Yeah. Easy, eh? Get some rest. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, how long does it take to make your adaptive clothing? Depends on the item. Um, most things take between um, like an hour and four hours from cutting it out to finishing it. A um, couple things like the backpacks or, you know, something that just has more detail um, can take longer, but no longer than six usually just depends every everyone orders such unique things sometimes i have to sometimes do pattern changes or all those sort of custom elements definitely take some time okay yeah because i know i saw on your uh, business website that you make uh, backpacks and they're are they popular or is this less popular than the ones that you usually sell the backpacks do pretty well actually um a feeding backpack on the market is usually just plain black, so it's fun to be able to give people something that's more, you know, kid-friendly and bright colors, makes them want to wear it more. <laughs> Did you say feeding backpack? What does that mean? Like, does it connect to the feeding tube to the clothing? Just curious. Yeah, yeah so the backpack actually um, has openings at the bottom and a strap inside to hold the feeding bag and the pump. And then the lines come out through the backpack at the bottom and then in through the clothes. Mm, cool. Yeah. What is it your, the best thing about your business and why? I love that my business makes a difference for people. You know, it, it, I was always focused on the kids, like making sure that they had clothing that was functional and stylish and helped boost their sort of self-esteem and make them comfortable with their feeding tube or their disability. But the next best part was um, hearing from the parents how it impacted them and that they felt finally that they could dress their kids in something that, you know, quote-unquote, able-bodied kids would want to wear too. Um, They loved that they could finally dress their kids in these cute clothes versus clothing that was just two sizes too big or had holes cut in it. Um, I love the, that sort of impact that it's having. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you sell and make clothing outside your Taylor Hard Design brand? I don't sell outside of ta- Taylor Hard Designs. Um, I make my, my own clothes, which is fun. <laughs> um, sort of my extra creative bit that I get to do, but I don't, I don't sell anything outside of that. Okay. Oh, what is your process when choosing patterns and prints? Um, <laughs> I honestly just choose things that I really like. Um, my clients have sort of helped guide me through the years of what I know will do well with them. Like florals are always a good hit for girls. Um, woodland type patterns, so like things with bears and foxes and deer those always do really really well and if you look at my site you'll see a lot of those themes repeated um recently space 
has done really well. So I always keep my eye out for cool, like astronomy patterns. And it's just see, seeing things and going, Oh, maybe that's good. And if it's, if it doesn't do as well that year, sometimes it does well two years later. It's mm-hmm. sort of interesting like that, just the way the styles come, but try to keep things cool. And, um, we have a, like a certain stripe fabric that I always have in stock that we mix, mix prints with. So that's always fun too, just to see, you know, how different things can go together and make something look fresh again. Oh, cool. Uh so do you, Taylor, do you let the customers pick their own patterns and prints and how does that happen often? It does. Um, on the Etsy site, you'll see like I have sketches um, done up of pieces that I think look really good and, you know, what I, I would pair the fabrics with. But um, I often get people messaging me with that photo and then go, I really want this pair of pants, but I like this fabric that you have on this dress. Can I have that instead? And if I have enough, sure. That's super easy to do with switch patterns around. Um, and they often like will even just message me and go, you know, do you have a floral in this colorway or something like that? And I do try to accommodate as much as I can and make sure that people are really getting something that they're going to love. Oh, okay. How long does the garments to be finished and shipped and arrived to your client's house? Um, so unfortunately, like, because I am just a one person doing everything from pattern to cutting to sewing to shipping, it, it does take some time. Um, regular turnaround time for making the garments is three to four weeks. And then depending on where you're located, if you're in Canada or the U S it can take up to two weeks to ship to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, as I said earlier, with all the with all that's happening in the world, the shipping, you know, I can't really control that so much. But um, yeah, the the turnaround time is sometimes long, and I don't love that. But that just shows, you know, that you know people do love it and they are willing to wait, which I'm very very thankful for. Mm-hmm. How does your design around the feeding tubes and trachea sawmi tubes work um it's i usually what i do is i will um especially at the beginning i was doing a lot of research so i would ask what people would need um now it's pretty it's pretty instinctive i've i've done so much research and i have so many amazing clients who are willing to talk with me and send me photos and help me with measurements um, so there's definitely some trial and error. And if I'm coming up with something that's brand new, um, I'll actually have people test it for me first. So I will reach out to on my social media or on to certain clients and I'll be like, you know, would you test this product for me and give me feedback? And then that way I'm able to make sure that the adaption works to the best of their ability for like the, the best range of clients that I can. Um, there's definitely times where, you know, not everybody is the same. So I'll have to make adjustments for, you know, certain placements of tubes, but, um, people are really good about helping me do that, which is 
awesome because I'm, I don't have a feeding tube myself. So Mm -hmm. I have to rely on that feedback to make sure that the adaptions actually do work and work properly. Uh, Has there been any, been fabric shortages due to COVID? Um, Not for me. There's just been um, raise in prices, of course, and um, longer shipping. The, the one thing that I couldn't get for a long time was, of course, elastic, because everybody was making masks for that March until about June. It was hard to get elastic for, um, like, waistbands, and I offer scrunchies just for a fun add-on to any order, so I couldn't get um, elastic to make my scrunchies for a little bit, but everything's calmed down a little bit now, so uh, that's, that's nice. Yeah, you're saying you're mentioning masks. Have you been making masks uh, this year so far there, Taylor? Um, no, I made a few for myself. Um, it's it's one of those things that I don't really feel right about um, charging money for masks. I've made a few for certain clients who really, really wanted them, but I just gave them like a cost of goods sale on them. Mm-hmm. Um Especially when this first happened, you know, everybody was really scared, and I don't think that was it really fair, but I also don't get a lot of joy out of making them. <laughs> so we focus on, you know, what I do, and then if clients want them, sure, but not our main focus right now. <laughs> Understandable. I just kind of, like, wondering about that. Oh. Yeah. What is the secret with tags for sensory processing disorders? Oh, yeah. Um, So with the tags, um, by law, I have to have tags on my clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, It's part of the Textile Labeling Act here in Canada. So I have to put tags on clothes. But what I do is you will notice that there's no tags on the back next of my clothing where you would mostly find a garment tag. Um, I always put mine down a side seam closer to the hems so that they are easily accessible to look at, but they can also be easily cut out if you want to, and then um, they're not going to bother nearly as much, I hope. (laughs) It's always a little bit of a, I know they're sensitive, but by law, I have to do it. So I try to place them in a nice spot for everybody. Mm -hmm. I see that. And also, I saw on your uh, website, also, you're making hoodies and uh, sweatpants. Is that right? Yeah. I do little sets, which are fun. <laughs> ah. Uh, do they kind of work with feeding tubes also? Just wondering. Yeah. Yeah. The hoodies have the adaption. And then the the jogger-style sweatpants, um, there's no built-in adaption. But that pattern has a fold-over waistband on it which I really like for G-tubes because it's quite tall. So you can fold it down so that it's quite low if you want. Or if your little one is tends to be handsy with their tube, you can actually fold it up and it will mostly cover the tube. So it adds a little protective layer there as well as easy access to it. So they're really comfortable pants and those work for everybody, which is nice. Also, I saw that. Do you also create uh, clothing without uh, people with fitting tubes too? I like to say that my clothing can be worn by everybody. 
Um, I focus on kids with special needs for sure. Um, they're 90% of my business, but there's definitely that 10% that don't have any feeding tube or disability and they just wear the clothes as is and they look really cute in them. <laughs> uh, do you make clothes with, uh, for people in wheelchairs to also just wonder? Um, I have before I used to have a jacket that had a removable back. So that you could actually, um, when you were seated, the back completely unbuttoned so that there wasn't that extra bulk behind you. Um, that didn't do that well, so I've discontinued it. But the the nice thing about having my degree in fashion and just being really open with my clients is if someone's looking for something like that, I can probably custom make it. It's you know, I'm really, I love doing that research aspect and asking those questions. So if there's, you know, things that people need, I'm happy to try and help my, to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. But thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was my interview with Taylor Byro, founder of Taylor Heart Designs. You can view her work at taylorheartdesigns.com. What you are listening to right now is music project from Baseline Brainwaves out of Sherwood, Alberta. Baseline Brainwaves is a recording project created by participants of the electronic music class at the Robin Hood Association. Robin Hood is an organization committed to assisting individuals with disabilities to achieve their personal best. I spoke with the producer and engineer with of this project, Tim Blash. How did Baseline Brainway start? I am in the loudest spot in the house for the furnace. I turned it off. Okay. Okay, basically, it's got started. I was uh, teaching uh, guitar classes uh, using an open tuning. uh, That's where you tune to a chord. Um, And I would mark off the different uh, positions on the the fretboard with with colored tape, and uh, students could use a slide to, to form the chord, so it was a really easy way to to get participants involved in playing songs they wanted. Uh, and uh, it, it's, uh, it, at some point around that time, I was messing around with uh, with uh, electronic uh, controllers at home and realized that was could be fairly accessible as well. So I, I just pitched a class, and uh, Baseline Brainwise was, was the the experimental class, the first one that, that I... That I uh, had up and running, and it seemed to work out okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you create these songs? <clears throat> Generally, we start with uh, pre-recorded loops, which uh, some of them are. Uh, we we use Apple GarageBand for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good example. That that comes with loops. We don't tend not to use those. We use yeah. outside sources, but. But we'll just preview some loops, uh, and uh, and if enough people like a particular one, well, that'll be the starting point. Um, my only involvement there might 
be to remind them while they may have had uh, you know the last couple of songs have been at that tempo and maybe it's time we should do something a little bit uh, mid-tempo or slower just a little bit of variety but otherwise they, they pick all the loops and uh, from there uh, they'll uh, preview again this is all through GarageBand they'll preview the synth parts or uh or whatever uh, software instruments are, are built into GarageBand, they'll just uh, preview sounds, decides what decide what they want to use, and uh, take it from there. Mm-hmm. I might uh, at that point uh, find out uh, the key of the loop they've selected. If there is, a, um, say, it's a bass loop where there's some, some notes we've got to be mindful of. I might put some tape on uh, on the keyboard uh, to and 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 uh, suggest that uh, participants stick within those 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 particular notes. But I, I won't tell them how to play it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And away they go. Yeah, that's cool. And how often do you meet? And what happens in the music classes? Uh, we meet once a week. Uh, this year, it, uh, we we have two classes, so uh, once a week, and we pretty much just get right down to it, uh, uh, start a new song or work on what we were working on the the previous week. Uh, there will be occasional occasional deviations, talking about more technical issues like uh, compression or or different types of effects. You know, somebody might want to know more about that. Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some mixing uh, notions, uh, but but generally it's it's pretty hands on. Okay. We're working on the music. Mm-hmm. And what kind of projects do the classes do? It, it's entirely music. Uh, um, we're trying to collaborate with some of the art visual art classes to do the artwork this time out last time out that uh, the cover just happened mm-hmm. to be on the wall and uh, um, when it came time to do uh, the, the CD artwork that was the, amongst all the pictures that was just picked but now we're trying to to feed the other class the the songs ahead of time uh, and uh, have some uh, um Ideas that are inspired by the titles and the, the actual music. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we do in class? I guess naming the tracks. Sometimes that can take a while. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. We're we're, we're very generally focused on the music. I got you. And can anyone in, join your classes? Absolutely anyone can join the classes. We've, uh, uh, yeah, we've we've tried to make it accessible to everybody. I, I know there's uh, some other um, gear out there that I would like to get. That uh, th- this year is the first time I've I've had one individual that uh, he has uh, um, a few more issues uh, being able to to operate the, the current controller we have, but. Uh, I'd like to get something like a crash, uh, I think they're called a chaos pad, uh, to enable him to contribute a bit more. Mm-hmm. At least we, we can still have him involved. But, but yeah, everybody, uh, to, 
nobody's been turned away. That's good. And uh, how long is was the process of this album? Uh, well, it would have covered, uh, I guess, the equivalent of a school year, so uh, 86 to 87, um, September to June. And uh, initially, the, the songs were just posted online uh, via Bandcamp, and I put together a mock CD for CJSR, and uh, it seemed to get a lot of attention there, so that we eventually... Got it. Uh, got the CD manufactured. Mm-hmm. So we good. do have some uh, some copies, rare copies that are available out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is the level of the involvement of the participants within the Robin Hood Association? Um, you, you're talking about within the class. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, well that. Certain individuals are more keen than others, but everyone uh, has their moments. Uh, the selection process for the loops is entirely democratic. Uh, uh, once those are selected, everyone has uh, their moment to add something to the song. Um, whether it's a synth part or, or if they're adding drums. Um, and a little bit of the mixing process, although mm-hmm. I find uh, only half the class seems to get into the, into the, into the mixing uh, segment. Um, just like any other musician, you find you know, some bands that you know, mm-hmm. they like to just set up and play and then let the tech guy sort it out in the mix. and mm-hmm. They don't... Excuse me. <coughs> Don't want to be around for the finished result. They just want to like the finished result, and mm-hmm. that's no different uh, with this class. That was me interviewing Tim Blash, the producer and engineer of Baseline and Brainwave. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Accessible Airways. Hope you tune in for next month. Our outro music is Storm Beast by Baseline Brainwaves.